Don't check <laughs>
we did pretty good. I mean, if <laughs> you can't take these guys out, but if you remove, I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill had 273 yards and three touchdowns between those two guys alone, you know, and the rest of the roster had about 120 or something, you know? So that's, I mean, those are just our top two guys. And most of those yards, like you said, came when Mahomes escaped the pocket. He kind of did things he did with his feet, but um you know, if we had stopped, you know, a little bit more of that, there's something you could do. But at the end of the day, Mahomes is what he is. He's the highest played player in NFL for the reason. He's going to be an MVP more times than we can count by more than any other guy. So those are just the challenges you have facing him, right? So, you know, again, you want to see a win, but I think this was as bad of a – this was as good of a loss as you could see coming into that game, I think. Agreed. And you mentioned Greg Newsom there. Um, I think he was targeted like twice, maybe three times if that. And um, it was thought before the game that Chiefs would go after him early and often, and they really didn't. He locked his side down. When you're playing the Chiefs, you obviously got the big three of Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill. And you have to you have to find a way to cut one of them out, um, lock him down. And Browns didn't do that. Kelsey, he was a red zone threat. He had two touchdowns. Um, Hill had 200 yards and he did what he wanted. Um, Browns had a shot there at the end though. And that's all, that's all you could ask for. Yeah. Yeah, they did. You know, I mean, if you look at the game, I mean, you can easily say the Browns lost because of turnovers, right? I mean, we really kind of, you, you fumbled the game away, which is a terrible way of putting it, but you did. I mean, we had the three turnovers, we had the fumble, the interception and the turnover on downs, right? And Kansas City had none. So those are the kind of things that you can't, have against the chiefs when you know our defense for the most part had answers for the chiefs until you know until mahomes found hill for that 75 yard touchdown you know and that one john johnson turned around he found the ball but it was too late at that point you know so those are things that you just can't do you know and after that was when we went three and out and then jamie gillen had his <laughs> had his miscue right after that and that's just Mentally, I mean, the Browns, obviously, you can't have those affect you, but it would be hard to say those didn't, right? I think that was certainly the turning point for the game. And after that, the wheels kind of fell off. And again, you know, the wheels falling off the Browns previously was in the first quarter of games a few years ago. So coming against a team that's a Super Bowl favorite, you know, they just won the Super Bowl a few years ago. We're just there. You know, that's Browns are still contenders in my eyes. And I think everyone's eyes. I don't think that changed. It's just, you know, the fourth quarter collapse week one. It happens. We weren't the only team that, you know, could have played better, right? Yeah, I guess a team like the Chiefs, they're going to play near perfect, at least offensively, majority of the time. They're going to score every time they have the ball. And um, besides last year, you see Mahomes hurt, and it was a different team then. But um, Browns had to play near perfect to win. And, I mean, besides the three major miscues, they really didn't shoot themselves in the foot very often, and that's really what gave them a chance there. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's really all you need, right? I mean, you just need a chance and the Browns had that chance and in the bigger pick, which we agree, he was really just trying to throw it away. I saw there was some conversation on whether that was what he was trying to do, but I would have to say I'm confident he was trying to throw it away. Right. Um, and then he just got his, he threw in those, those are some things that happen and it just, that's just part of the game. Right. I mean, again, like you said, the chiefs aren't going to make, you know, aren't going to make those mistakes. So it's something that happens and it's okay. And it's time to, you know, I think for us, you know, we're happy with it. Unfortunately, never super happy about a loss, but you are, you know, it is what it is. Right. Um, so aside from you know, the kind of the things we've talked about so far, what surprised you most, or is there any player of the game that really 
shot you. I know you mentioned Greg Newsom. For me, that's probably one that surprised me most. I think he only allowed one catch in that game, and it wasn't anything crazy. So I thought he did pretty good. But was there anybody else that surprised you for the Browns? Yeah, Anthony Schwartz, he uh, missed the whole training camp pretty much, and he played one preseason game sparingly. Um, he was hurt, obviously, and it gave the fans the chance to hide him and what he wants him to do. And uh, coming out, Baker was tar- targeting Schwartz early and often. He came out of three catches, 69 yards. He was the team's best wide receiver and best overall pass catcher outside of uh, David Njoku. Um, Schwartz would have had a touchdown if he didn't bobble the catch, but um, his performance coming in as a mid-rounder, it's, it's exceptional, and it's really what, what you want. With Odell out, um, he brought that field-stretching ability, and that's what the Browns needed, and I'm excited to see what Schwartz can do in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's one of those things where Schwartz, you know, did what you wanted him to do. You drafted him for that big playability. You mentioned three catches, six, nine yards. That's, that's pretty much, you know, what we thought he would do sparingly here and there right obviously with Odell with coming back hopefully soon we can talk about that in a little bit um you know maybe those some of those go to Odell and that's fine because I think Swartz still needs some more time to you know become consistently you know good at some of those things but I think his performance is overall really good and you know they they showed that they used the pick on him for a reason they're not just gonna you know stash him away for a year even though he was missed a lot of time um but I think you know for the Browns overall um, what's, you know, as we go into the Texans, obviously they're not necessarily Super Bowl contenders, but, you know, they still played pretty good. Um, so coming, you know, from Kansas City to the Texans, what needs to change, you know, offensively or defensively or even special teams for something like this to not happen? Well, first, I need, I need Gillen to get a clean punt off. He has, <laughs> he has one job and one job only, and uh, he, he just can't drop that snap. That was, that was huge. But honestly, um, Mac Wilson, there's I, I don't need him out there anymore. Like, there's no reason to play him anymore. You have better options. And every time he's out there, he looks lost, doesn't know how to diagnose, diagnose plays or anything. And um, it's always talked about he has a good offseason and good, good training camp, good preseason. And then he just falters when the regular season comes around. And that looks like what's going to happen again. Yeah, Tammy going, we just didn't you know, go out there and handle a perfect snap because there was there was truly nothing wrong with that snap. I mean, it was as good of a snap as you're going to get. And it's something I don't know, something mentally, whether he was thinking about something else or whatever happened is inexcusable because that, you know, what if it was a high snap, then that's a high snap, right? But that yeah, was right. He was seeing ghosts. He, he was seeing Sam Darnold, same ghost, man. Uh, he was out there. I don't know what it was, but that's that was disappointing. Um, and that obviously hurt us right after, you know, giving up that big touchdown, you know, so back-to-back stuff like that kind of hurts the Browns, um, you know, and I, I agree. I think Mac Wilson, you know, we talked about him a little bit in the previous episodes about, you know, were they going to cut him? You know, we thought depending on his out, you know, depending on his, you know, uh, how he's doing in the off season, but it just, Mac Wilson is what he is at this point, right? I think we've kind of seen enough of him the previous years. We've got some better options around us. So, for me, I agree. I don't think there's really any reason Mac Wilson needs to be getting like meaningful snaps, in my opinion. Yeah, Wilson, he just doesn't make plays. And if he makes a play, it's a chase down tackle or something after a guy has gained eight yards. He's not getting tackles for loss. He's not breaking up passes. He's he's really doing nothing out there besides the bare minimum. And I feel like if the Browns give those snaps to Malcolm Smith or 
JOK or something. It's it's more mean, meaningful. Yeah, those are those are guys that haven't consistently made those mistakes. And even, you know, someone like JOK, if he makes a mistake like that, at least, you know, I think he's an overall better player. He's certainly more athletic. There's more things they want to do with him. He's a rookie, et cetera, et cetera. So you can almost excuse those more than you can excuse Mac Wilson. But I also don't think he would make them in the same vein as, you know, Mac Wilson does and makes them consistently. Um, but it's just, it's just tough. It's just really tough, you know, for someone like that. Cause you know, I think we talked about previously where he's a guy that a few years ago, you would play him just because, you know, he's just okay enough, right. Or he bought into Cleveland and that was all we wanted to see years ago. So it's tough to be able to be in a position where you can cut those guys that, you know, care about Cleveland. But at this point, I think we've seen enough that the talent just isn't lining up and no matter how hard he tries, I don't think it's a lack of effort necessarily. I don't think he goes out and doesn't give a crap about what's going on. I think he's just, he's just not, you know, talented enough to be out there taking snaps away from guys that do have that talent like JOK, even if it's a little bit more raw at the moment. Yeah, I think Mac Wilson, I think he's in great shape. I think he trains well and everything, but it's, it's, it's a mental lapse, I believe. I believe he just doesn't – he doesn't watch film or doesn't diagnose it. There's something there. Um, I don't expect the Browns to cut him during the season unless they go to using him none at all. Then there's no point keeping him. He doesn't, he doesn't contribute on special teams. So there's really nothing there going forward with him unless he really turns this thing around. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. one thing I wanted to you know talk about about this game before we – you know, kind of start moving on to some things looking forward toward next week was um, I read earlier when I was kind of getting ready, you know, for this and everything, I was reading the pro football focus. They kind of did a recap on this. What was interesting to me um, was just how they kind of broke down the game. Um, they gave, I think Anthony scores like a 76.4 passing grade uh, grade. And they were talking about their uh, Baker and how he was kind of his average throw was downfield was 10.4 yards. So those the, things like that, I think, show that the Browns, you know, the Browns loss yesterday was really, in my opinion, and probably agree with more of just a fluke of anything. Obviously, those turnovers, you can't chalk them up entirely to being a fluke or anything. But there's obviously a mental lapse like we talked about with Jamie Galen and Baker Mayfield had to pick as he was throwing away as he got hit, stuff like that, that you can erase pretty you know, through practice, not necessarily easy, but can get rid of those. You can explain them off or just kind of one-off things, right? So as you look at this or as you kind of start looking at, you know, stuff that happened last week, the Nick Chubb fumble, all that kind of stuff doesn't usually happen. It's just, you know, the Chiefs were, you know, simply made plays when it counted more and the Browns didn't. And But those are things that I think, again, are one-offs and they've got some games coming up where they can work on those things against not necessarily Super Bowl contenders. And hopefully, you know, by the time they play the Chiefs again, if they get to, then they're more ready for it. Yeah, I don't think the Chiefs did anything that exactly beat the Browns. I think the Browns beat themselves more so, which is it's exciting to say because Chiefs are obviously a they're a Super Bowl contender. They've they're going to try to be there for the third year in a row, I believe. Um, they're the they're the top of the line, and um, not nothing exactly that the Browns did, and and that's exciting for fans and coaches and players because it's easy fixes. Um, the fumble, you just you got to hold on to the ball, and you can't give give the Chiefs points because they're already already going to score enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and they're just you know they are what they are, and it is it's okay, you know. But we also we saw Greedy Williams yesterday, and I think that was something that 
we were excited for, although he, you know, didn't play necessarily his best game. And, you know, if we keep, if I went back to, you know, pro football focus, they gave him a 31 and a half in coverage. Uh, Ward had 64 and Newsom had 67.3. And I don't really enjoy relying just on, you know, pro football focus specifically for being like the end all be all, but I do think they do some good stuff, you know, there every once in a while. Um, and I think those are kind of telling, but again, Greedy Williams missed a lot of time lately. So I think for us, you know, and at least, at least specifically, I was glad to see him out there. You know, it, it, that was a guy that they drafted pretty high, you know, a, a few years ago when you just wanted to see him out there and be able to complete a game, get through some games without being hurt, you know? So I think if, as we look towards the Texans and the rest of the season, that's something that you can see improving, hopefully, but if not, again, you've got Newsom next award and Troy Hill back there. So Overall, I agree. Like you said, the Browns didn't necessarily the Browns necessarily beat themselves more than the Chiefs did anything to expose the Browns in any specific spot. It's just when it came down, you know, when push came to shove, the Browns kind of got shoved around a little bit. Yeah, with uh, Newsom's snap count, he it's obviously showing that he won that cornerback battle, and it may be because he outplayed Williams, which is likely, or that Williams just isn't ready for them kind of snaps. But it was nice to see Williams out there. He had a pair of tackles, um, obviously made some contact, and that's that's just good to see. And hopefully as the season goes on, he can do something for this team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of wanting to see somebody do something for the team, Odell, uh, OBJ missed last missed uh, yesterday's game. And I think it was surprising because we, we kind of thought he would be there. You know, we thought he would play um but he ended up you know going through pregame and everything and I, I believe it was his decision to not play yesterday um which kind of tells you you know that it must still be nagging a little bit because he's not the kind of guy that if he's healthy is going to sit out a game you know especially sit out a big game against a team that you know he didn't get you know he wants to beat for the Browns he didn't get to play him last year you know so and wants to get this thing off and get everything going you know in the right direction so um, when do you think we'll see OBJ? Like, when do you think he'll come back this year? If I was to bet on, I would say the Bears game. Um, he set out this week, and I don't believe one week makes a big difference. So I'd be surprised, a little bit surprised to see him against the Texans. But then again, if you want to get him, get him out there against the Texans, that's a lesser defense to really get him into going, going into things. Um, I think OBJ is ready physically. I think it's the mental part of it. I, I've had a knee injury, and I know it's like you have, to, you have to trust that knee again, and that's really the part of it. Um, he has to cut on it. He hasn't taken full contact yet, and that's another thing he's going to have to go through. Um, but once OBJ gets out there, it's obviously going to do a lot more for this offense. Yeah, and I think against the Texans, you know, if you look at their, you know, their defense, they've certainly got a defense. Like you said, it's not – not as it's a little bit lesser, right? I mean, looking at their cornerbacks, they've got uh, you know, Vernon Hargreaves out there, the former first rounder. Um, they've got Desmond King out there, they've got the old Brown, Tavier Thomas, um, Kevin Pierre Lewis, Joe Thomas, Garrett Wallace, and Jimmy Moreland out there. So, guys that you know have some names, but not necessarily at that you're really out there afraid of. So, that could be you know, someone you can ease him into, or you could throw him out there and say, Hey, go tear up the you know, Texan secondary because that's. That's the thing you think could happen, right? Um, but again, like you said, if, it, if he's not mentally there, then he's not mentally there. You don't want to force him out there before he's ready because that's that could be you know doing more harm than you really need to do to him. Um, I don't want to say that Texans are you know easy to beat, but 
they're, I mean, it's fair to say that they're not as talented as the Chiefs, right? So, you know, you still need to go out there so you can prepare and get ready to play them. But, you know, they kind of surprised some people by winning yesterday too. So I think you're a little bit more comfortable going out there if he has to sit saying, okay, you know, we should be able to take care of business against them and even going into the Bears the week after. Um, those are both home games for us. The Bears defense is better, um, but they were surprisingly not too good yesterday themselves. So that's a thing that you can kind of ease them into and maybe even wait till the Vikings if you really wanted to. But I agree. I would be shocked if you played next week, though. Selfishly, I would love to see him. Yeah, the Browns offense showed yesterday, as they did last year, that they don't they don't need Beckham to be good. He can add another layer and help Swartz stretch the field and he has that big playability that no one else has. But I mean, it's right for the I believe it's right, the right thing to do is take your time with them and when he's back, he's back for good. That, that should be the plan. Um, going against the Texans, like I said, he could that could be a game for him to ease into things or you wait another week and play him against the Bears, which is a tougher defense. But I believe we'll see him within a few weeks, but it's no rush. Yeah, it's it's no rush at all. And that's that's the that's the great thing about the Browns being in the spot they're in, you know if you start the season off slow, you know, even if you do drop one of these next two games or that would be surprising to me, but if you go into the Vikings game two and one, I'm fine. You know, if we don't see until the Vikings game or if for some reason we don't see until after, you know, it's, it was already a long season and you got the 17th game this year. So, you know, I, I think for the Browns, you, you have long-term aspirations, right? You, you've got long-term goals that you want to see OBJ there for more so, towards the end of the year or towards the playoffs. Cause now the Browns expectation is to make the playoffs, right? So you're finally in a spot where you don't have to throw them out there to beat, you know, teams early in the season, you can kind of ease them into it. You know, we, we all, we both think Stefanski is a great coach. So if the team starts slow without him for any reason, you've got time to make adjustments throughout the season. Right. So there are, there are reasons to not force him back out there. If he's either physically not ready or mentally, whatever it is, I think they'll take their time. Like you said, they're right to let him take his time, kind of go at his own pace. And you're paying him enough money that you don't want him to go out there and get hurt again. You know, so you want him to be ready 100%, 110% even, and go at his own pace. And he deserves that, you know, deserves that right to do so. Yeah, that's the exciting thing is you don't have to rush him because you have other players that can step up and such. Back a few years ago, we had Terrell Pryor going for a thousand yard season and we were we were pissed off. Our best guy. (laughs) When we didn't resign him, fans and media people were mad. And it's just it's came a long way since then. We now aren't forced to rush Beckham back because you're in a good spot either way. Not to dig up old wounds, but Terrell Pryor thing still 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 a little rough. I mean that I I was certainly upset when they let him walk because he was a thousand yard receiver. Oh, me, me too. <laughs> he, he was a thousand yard receiver for us. He surprised everybody. Um, and then I think I remember reading that we offered him the same deal that we ended up giving to Kenny fucking Britt. And you know, we all know how that turned out. There's some back to back signs with Kenny Britt and what Dwayne Bow right around that time. So God, that's dark. It's getting dark in here, man. It's so we've certainly come a long way since then, having to overpay for guys like that or whatever. You know, I think. Um, so yeah, you've got guys behind him that can play um, some meaningful snaps, and we're not like, ooh, I don't hope they can hold down the four. You know, we know that they can, right? Um, 
So we're just hoping that OBJ can come back healthy 100% when he does come back, whenever that is, which I agree. I think a few weeks at most that bears, you know, at most of Vikings game, I do think that it's more likely he'll be back for the bears game. Um, I'm sorry. Be back for the Texans game. So as we go, you know, into that game, the Texans, you know, I said they're lesser of a team than the chiefs. And I think it's fair to say they are, um, but Tyrod Taylor, the former Brown yesterday had a pretty good game. Um, and perhaps it's, you know, perhaps it's amazing to see what he can do when he's not looking over his shoulder at a, you know, a first round pick playing behind him or waiting, people were clamoring behind him. So um, are we worried at all about Tyrod Taylor and the Texans? I would say no, because I mean, it was the Jaguars. And I think Bishop Sycamore could go out there and give the Jaguars a run. Um, Tyrod Taylor actually looked. Damn, that's messed up. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor actually looked decent. It's an Urban Meyer coach team, so what do you expect? But um, Tyrod Taylor looked decent. He uh, he even threw the deep ball, which is something he hadn't been doing. He was had almost 300 yards passing, no interceptions. I don't expect him to do that against the Browns, and it'd be bad if he did. He also adds that running element, which be a nice task for the Browns because they obviously have to play the Ravens twice a year, so that's a nice little warm-up. Um, the Browns should win handily. It's a home game, home opener. That's exciting. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't win handily. This podcast might never hear from me again if we lose the Texans to Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, it was it was the Jaguars. It's the Urban Meyer team that looked, they came out and just looked as unprepared as I've seen a team look in a while, you know, probably since Hugh Jackson came out. But even, you know, even Hugh Jackson, the Browns had no talent, but they usually you know and it looked like the Jaguars just didn't you know he Tyrod Taylor like you said threw for 291 yards was 21 of 33 and had two touchdowns he you know had no picks from what I remember he had you know almost a 64 percent completion percentage and like you said he threw deep he threw you know I think it was three passes that were longer than 20 yards for Brandon Cooks who's probably their I mean he is their best receiver so you know I, I think it's it's interesting you know it is very interesting to kind of see them come out and see, you know, again, you take out the grand style because it's Jaguars, you know, but we get to see a familiar foe and Mark Ingram back there. He, he played, I think he was their starter. He, you know, had some about 80 yards, you know, 80 yards out there at 20 some carries. Um, they even have an old kind of Denny Amendola out there. So I agree. They, they don't worry me too much necessarily, but I mean, I guess you never really know, right. It's, you know, I mean, the Browns are coming off the a close loss, so that's always meant to some things. But I don't think, you know, as long as they go out there and prepare for the Texans as the Texans and kind of don't go out and, you know, drag their feet a little bit or, you know, kind of look past this game, which I don't think Stefanski would let them do, I think they'll win handedly too. You know, but if there are, you know, if they're kind of looking past it or if they're not taking it too seriously, because it's, it's still an NFL team, right? I mean, there is talent on that team. It's just we have significantly more talent. So we should be able to beat them by at least two scores, right? In my mind, we should be able to win that game by at least 10, 14 points. And if we win by 10 points, it's probably some, you know, touchdowns at the end that are pretty meaningless, right? In my mind, like it, it would be probably not as close as 10 points if you watch the game. Yeah. Interesting thing here too, is the Texans will bring eight former Browns to the back to Cleveland, which is interesting to see. That's like, 
one one that stands out is Terrence Mitchell. I mean, that's one the Browns let walk as they did Tavier Thomas as well. And that just shows the position the Browns are in now. They don't have to sign these guys back and they can let them walk. They go lesser teams because Browns used to be that team that got the lesser players from contenders and such. Um, Christian Kirksey will make his return and uh, Farrell Brown played tight end for the Browns for a while. He'll be another one. And Kirksey, Kirksey was pretty good, you know, last year. I think he played for Green Bay, right? He had 100 some tackles, or at least pretty close to 100 tackles. So he was he was pretty good last year, you know. So he'll probably be the Texans' leading tackler if he stays healthy. And you know, they do have those former Browns are going to come out, want to you know make some plays. And uh, like I said, most of them were guys that wouldn't have made the team if we kept them. You know, someone like Terrence Mitchell wasn't going to make it. Although he did, you know, when he was us, when he did play for us, he was pretty good. You know, I mean, Money Mitch was all right. He had his moments. Um, Javier Thomas was kind of an okay guy on special teams, or uh, you know, Pharaoh Brown and some other guys out there. So it'll be interesting to see that reunion. I don't know if he's really any any animosity towards them. It's not like we're out here playing against Joe Hayden and went to our rival, right? I mean, Kirksey went, you know, to the Packers and the Texans where he was going to get, you know, money that we weren't going to give him, right? Um, so that's that'll be fun. It'll be a fun game to watch. You know, it'll. It, I think it'll certainly be a little bit less stressful. And again, if it is a stressful game, or God forbid we lose, I I don't know. I'm not gonna make a bold statement like I'm gonna, you know, quit. But this this podcast for real might never hear me again. I I think it's just it's a game that you want to see them come back. And again, the Browns a few years ago might have let a game like this slip away, but I think they'll come back, take care of business, and then we'll be back on track and hopefully, you know, when these next two home games and, you know, the fan, the fans in Cleveland can show up, make some noise and have some fun. Yeah. I fully expect the Browns to bounce back this. If they play any way against, they play any way like they did against the chiefs though, win handily. And I fully expect them to bounce back. Um, starting 0 and two wouldn't be great, even though it's a 17 game season, it wouldn't be ideal at all. And I don't think that happens. Um, Browns get to 500 this by this Sunday, and we have a nice pod to follow. <laughs> That's right. We can be, we can be much happier, you know, doing it. We can be talking about, you know, in a perfect world, OBJ coming back and playing a few stats, making some catches, whatever, you know. And if he doesn't, then hopefully talking about sports having some more big plays or Jarvis Landry showing up and earning the money he's making, you know, from the Browns and everything like that. So it'll it'll be fun. I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I, I do think they'll go out there the whole – like I said, even if, like you said, if they play the way they did against the Chiefs, even if they have those turnovers, I, I don't think the Texans will take it to them the way that the Chiefs did. I think the Texans will make some mistakes. I think we've got obviously a much better defense than the Jaguars had, a much better offense than the Jaguars had. We don't have a Remire coaching our team. So, you know, I, I think we'll be okay. Um, and the last thing that I kind of brought you that, that we could talk about before we end this podcast, this is just kind of fun. Um, Urban Meyer looks just like he didn't belong in the NFL this past Sunday. There's already rumors of players not liking him, coaches not liking him, him being Urban Meyer and being, you know, very controlling with things. Um, and we, we already had our doubts about him, you know, making it kind of making it to the season. I know when he first got hired, I said I would be shocked if he made it two years um and then you know as he did a reminder things and he kind of brought on his friends and brought on a strength and conditioning coach that he had to fire two days later because he had been fired from iowa for being a little sketchy right you know and, and then he brought in tim tebow for shits and giggles and that ended up being really really 
pointless, right? Um, so now, as USC fires Clay Helton today, um, the timing of that is really odd to me for, for, for USC to fire him, you know? So there's going to be rumors all season about Urban Meyer, you know, bouncing, leaving the NFL, going back to college, especially for USC. Um, and I am torn on it. I, I, I still don't think he'll make it necessarily a whole year in the NFL, but if he does, I don't think he'll make it more than one. Um, but I'm probably 50, 50 on if I think he'll go back to college. What do you think? I think he could eventually go back to college, but, but if I'm a team, I'm not targeting him because he's likely going to be there two years and get a headache or something. And um, he's not going to last there. He's, I don't believe he has the energy or want to recruit anymore. And um, USC would be better off going with Luke Fickle or something like that, um, which I just read that's his job to turn down. So that's interesting. Um, but the players, they don't respect – there's players out there that don't respect Urban already, and that's rightfully so. He's done some questionable things already, and he doesn't have the character that you want leading a locker room. And when your players aren't respecting you and you're being a control freak like reports are, it's just not going to end well. And if he makes it two years, I'd be surprised. But really, I wouldn't be surprised if like a week seven meltdown here soon. Yeah, I, I, I would be – you know, that, that's that's why I'm torn. I think he's in over his head um, in the NFL. I, I I think he's in over his head. I think he's a little bit harder than he than he thought it was. Um, and I read some of those reports too. I think Bleacher Report did one um, that um, his temper has rubbed players the wrong way. And there was one that said his unhinged coaching style was causing trouble for the coaching staff. You know. Um, and there was that report, I think that was from CBS Sports, um, who spoke to them and they said that he's got everyone looking over swords, shoulders. I'm looking at the article now, says he becomes unhinged way too easily, doesn't know how to handle losing. Even in the preseason, he loses it and wants to take over the drills himself. It's not good. Um, and according to the support from CBS Sports, um, he has threatened his coaching staff's job security on multiple occasions after they suffered losses in the preseason. Um and there was a quote that one source gave to CBS Sports that said, you can't freak out about preseason games and belittle your coaches on a staff you handpicked every time things don't go your way. It's just not going to work here. Um, as OSU fans, that really doesn't surprise me. I know it doesn't surprise you. Um, you know, and obviously it's when you're in a situation like the Jaguars or when you're rebuilding and there's going to be all these reports, I'm sure, you know, they're probably not, you know, if we're being honest, it's probably not 100% true, right? Like it, it's a, it's a culture that's not doing so great right now, right? I mean, but for them to be coming out so early, this was before the game, you know, itself, um, there is certainly a level of truth there, right? So it'll be interesting and I'm torn on it, you know, if he goes back to college, obviously USC is a nice shiny job, but again, does he, I think he said in the like offseason, he doesn't miss recruiting. Right. And you know, obviously NFL is a different game, but he doesn't have to travel so much to go recruiting and go to these kids' houses and do all this stuff kind of a year round. Um, so I think that would be his biggest hesitance to going back to college football would be that recruiting, how kind of intense that cycle can be. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, Urban's in over his head, um, that Jacksonville 
job. I mean, he's seen good weather and there's not big expectations there. They've just been bad for a while. They want to turn around, but I don't believe Urban's that guy. He's he can't handle stress. He can't handle losing. He he's just not a guy that's lost often. And he has Trevor Lawrence who lost his first regular season game yesterday. I believe that's makes for a bad pair. And when they get to one and nine or two and eleven or something like that, it, I'm just interested to see how they keep the wheels on the axle. Yeah, that, that's that'll be his. That was always going to be his biggest thing was can you know can he handle losing because. He's so used to college going undefeated or losing one or two games and that being a disappointing year. And for Jacksonville, winning two or three games would be a surprise with the rush they've gotten. You know, it, there's been some questionable moves, obviously, on the coaching staff, some of their picks they've, you know, drafted and guys they've signed or stuff like that was always, you know, kind of weird from him. Um, so it could be, a, you know, it could be an all season thing. It could be like Nick Saban when he was with the Dolphins when. You know, it was in November when Alabama fired Mike Shula and it was always there was just rumors, rumors, rumors since then um, that he was going to be leaving to go coach. And at one point, you know, in that following month, you know, he was always asked about it. at one point. He said, I'm I guess I had to say I'm just not going to be the coach at Alabama. And then here we are, 14 years and he's still a coach at Alabama. Right. So it could be something like that or he could surprise us all and stick it out for at least the whole year, maybe a year after, I, I guess when I say I'm 50, 50, that's what I'm 50, 50 on is does he even, you know, come back for a second year, you know, cause like you said, the expectations are so low this year. If he can keep that team together, if he can somehow get these coaches back to trusting him and if he can somehow, you know, get these players to buy into the long-term aspect of what he's there for, then maybe he comes back. But I guess, you know, I would just be surprised by that you mentioned the joke of he's going to get some headaches and you know if he goes back to college and those things are always concerned so it'll be interesting to see the jacksonville jaguars over the course of the year and um i can't wait to play them right so that'll be some fun that that's a game we should win and we should really have some fun with on this podcast yeah um, i remember a few years ago when browns were doing a coaching search or meyer was mentioned and <laughs> that was something we we wanted to stay away from we were, were allergic to that, to that and we just wanted to stay away from that and i'm so glad to see it's another team and people are seeing what Urban meyer is like in a toxic environment when it's not a well-run program like ohio state he doesn't have all the tools that he had there and everything's not there for him to win right away and I don't believe it's going to last, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I agree. We're both on the same page here. And that's really that's really all we've got, you know, everybody, for this week. It's uh, it's uh, a somber episode with the loss, but overall we're optimistic looking into next week. And like he just said, glad that we never – the Browns never quite got to Remire because I remember that offseason there was an open checkbook rumor out there that we were just handing him whatever he wanted. And I'm just so glad that we never did that for a variety of reasons because I think – most people that weren't, you know, even Ohio State fans, one, they didn't want to lose him because they didn't want to lose him from Ohio State, which we saw how that unfolded anyway. And even two, like, level-headed Ohio State fans, like, knew that he wasn't going to work out. This is what it is. So, as we sit with the Browns, things are good, you know, still looking into week two as we go on to the Texans and then the Bears after. And hopefully we've got some uh, more happy things to talk about next week. So, Thank you guys uh, for checking us out this week, and we'll see you next week after hopefully uh, a Browns victory.